Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Kia ora et It's a joy to be with you today as we continue our Roman series. Now if you've been following along, you'll know that it's not necessarily been easy reading so far. Paul has been carefully constructing his case first against the Gentiles, then against the Jews, making his point that there is no one who is righteous, not even one. The final verse of our passage last week showed how even though even the law can't help, but rather through the law, we become conscious of sin. It's a compelling and convicting picture meant to almost overwhelm us. If you've never read Romans before, you've been forgiving to wanted to ditch it at this point. We're only in chapter three. Are you telling me there's another 13 chapters of this stuff? Nah, you're all right. Not for me. Let me know when church gets back to the good stuff. If that's how you've been feeling, you'll be happy to know that today we return to the good news. It's a short passage, just six verses, but it's theologically dense and we'll journey through it slowly, verse by verse, on a scenic route, checking out points of interest along the way. Let's get into it. Our passage is Romans 3, verses 21 to 26. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Famous British preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones once declared, there are no more wonderful words in the whole of scripture than just these two words. The words he was talking about are in the passage that we just read. Any idea which two words that he's talking about? But now. Now this might sound a bit weird, but there are good buts and there are bad buts. It depends on what comes before it, right? Here's an example of a bad but. You're a great person, and I still want to stay friends, but... I think we all know where that's going to go. Our passage, however, contains a good but. These are wonderful words because but now means something has changed. But now means there is hope. But now means there is a new way. Paul has been meticulously building his case of the hopelessness of the hopeless state of humanity in their own strength. The Gentiles are sinful and hopeless. The Jewish people Despite having the law and being God's chosen people, 
are also sinful and hopeless. And the law only showed, only showed them how far they were from God's standards. But now. So the but now shows that something has changed. And the phrase, apart from the law, also implies a new work of God. But as well as change, the verse also reinforces the continuity of God's salvation plan. And this is absolutely crucial to understand. And in my experience, not understanding this hinders the faith of many Christians. See, we, we like Jesus. We like the God of the New Testament. But we got no idea what the Old Testament has to do with it all. It's easy to end up seeing Jesus as a plan B salvation strategy. See, God tried to redeem the world through Israel. They failed. And so he had to reluctantly send his son as a costly last resort. Against this view, Paul says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. To which the law and the prophets testify. In other words, this has been the plan the whole time. The law, the Torah, and the prophets have been pointing to this from the very start. They testify, and their testimonies agree. Yes, this is a new stage in God's plan but it's not plan B. This helps us to see the harmony and continuity in God's work through Old and New Testaments. The next thing that we're going to pick up on is the most repeated word in this section, righteousness, specifically the righteousness of God. Now, there are a couple of elements to the righteousness of God that are worth outlining. And the simplest definition is God's doing of that which is right. This is the moral and ethical element of righteousness. But God's righteousness also has a relational component. New Testament expert Douglas Moo defines the righteousness of God as the process by which God acts to put people in right relationship with himself. So righteousness is about right relationship with God. Righteousness is right living in the way that God intended for humanity, in full loving communion with God. But righteousness with God is only available to those who have been declared morally righteous because God can't be in right relationship with someone who is sinful. This puts us in a predicament, a kind of catch-22. To use a silly but relatable example for many, it's like when you're looking for your first job and they require work experience, but you need a job to get work experience and you're in a catch-22. To be righteous, we need to be in right relationship with God. But to be in right relationship with God, we need to be morally righteous. And left to ourselves, we can never achieve that. This is why verse 22 is such good news. The righteousness, this righteousness is given through faith to, in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It's given. Although in ourselves we are not righteous and can never become righteous, Jesus Christ lived a righteous human life. And through faith, his righteousness is given to us. This is the gift of righteousness. The next stop on our scenic route through these six verses is the most famous clause in the section. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the universal leveler, leveling the playing field. In Paul's context, the big divide was between Jew and Gentile, right? 
But in our context, we have different things that divide us. Whether you were raised in a Christian home or have never felt comfortable inside a church, whether you're Māori or Pākehā, whether you vote for ACT or the Greens, whether you're a Zuma or a Boomer, whatever sexuality or gender you identify with, whether you're a pastor or a prostitute, in terms of righteousness in our own strength, there is no difference, for all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all fallen, left to our own devices. None of us is good enough, just as it was for King Belshazzar of Babylon. The writing is on the wall. You have been weighed on the scales. I have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. For many of us, somewhere along the way, we've had a moment of realization where we've been brought to our knees and confessed our sin and our desperate need for Christ. However, after carrying on and walking with Jesus for a while, it's easy to forget just how far he's brought us and how much we still need him. If we're not careful, we can become like the Pharisee Simon in Luke chapter 7. See, Simon looked down upon this sinful woman who was likely a prostitute as she wept at Jesus' feet and anointed them. But Jesus told him, Do you see this woman? When I entered your house, you didn't give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not greet me with a kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since I arrived. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, because her many sins has been forgiven, she has loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. See, Jesus is not saying that some people need less forgiveness than others, but that some people think they need less forgiveness. Man, that's challenging. We have to ask ourselves, have I started to think that I've just been forgiven a bit? Do we look at others and think, man, they've fallen way short. But me, I'm not that bad. As if I was close enough to righteousness and just God just gave me a little helping hand. Nothing could be further from the truth. The extent to which we acknowledge our need for Jesus is the amount we will love him. The extent to which we acknowledge our need for Jesus is the amount that we will love him. We've all fallen short. There is no difference. But just as equally as we fall short, we're all equally offered a lifeline. This is the grace free for all. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, as I promised at the start, today is good news. And here it is. In God's grace, he takes the initiative in salvation. And he has to because as we've seen, on our own, we're hopeless. We can't live up to his standard and we can't ascend to him. But redemption came to us. It's been said you can sum up the gospel with two characters, a down arrow and an exclamation mark. That's the gospel. Love come down. In this verse, Paul drops some more weighty Christian terms, but we only have time to focus on some. So let's now zoom in on what's meant by being justified. 
This word justification comes from the legal system and describes when a judge declares a person innocent. Now, this is an example of Paul using human concepts to reveal God in a way that humans can understand. So these are analogies which are helpful, but they are just metaphors. Theologian Bruce McCormack explains one key difference between the justification of a human judge and that of God. The human judge's judgment is in no sense effective. It does not create the reality it depicts. God's verdict differs in that it creates the reality it declares. A judicial act for God is never merely judicial. It is in itself transformative. This means that when we put our faith in Jesus and God declares us righteous, he is literally making us righteous. It's not just that he chooses to turn a blind eye to who we really are, but that who we really are is transformed. And how does God justify us? In what manner? Is it reluctantly or begrudgingly or out of obligation? No, it's freely. This is gift language, and it's throughout the passage. In 22, righteousness is given. Verse 24, justified freely. 25, God presented Christ to be received. God willingly chooses to restore us to right relationship with him. He doesn't regret it. He gave it all freely because that is how much he loved us. The remaining two verses now attempt to answer a couple of questions that I think Paul was anticipating. Two reasonable questions that most people would ask. How and why? Verse 25a deals with how. On a practical level, how does this even work? How does Jesus' death make us right with God? It says God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. The original Greek uh, word that Paul uses is hilasterion. And there are multiple translations here which can help us answer this how question. The NIV that we read translates this word as sacrifice of atonement. And the English word atonement was literally constructed based on, if you read it, at one meant. To, be, to make things at one, to reconcile relationships. Another possible translation of hilasterion is propitiation, which is used by the King James Version. And a propitiation is an offering that's made to appease a God and turn away their wrath. This wrath of God that Caleb talked about earlier in the series, which needed to be satisfied. Sin invokes God's wrath, but Jesus became an offering in our place. And the final question that remains is why would God do this? Why would he go through the agony of sending his only son to be a sacrifice for sinful humanity? Now, I suggest that there are two core reasons here. The one is coming from other well-known Bible passages, and that is, of course, love. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And later in, our, in Romans, sorry to whoever's... Uh, passage this is later in the series, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But in today's passage, the other reason for God sending his son 
is the demonstration of his righteousness or his justice. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, that is his patience, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness or justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. To be righteous, God has to punish sin. But God's love for creation also compels him to find a way to make humanity right with him. In the words of James Deeney, the problem of God dealing with a sinful race is how to unite these two things. In the death of the blameless Christ, both God's love and his justice are demonstrated. As Paul said, as Paul says, God is both just and the one who justifies. He is the just justifier. How are you going? I did say it was a theologically dense passage. And in reality, as much as we try, it's impossible to comprehend fully all of these concepts. But this gift of righteousness brings us to a place of gratitude and wonder. Perhaps you felt in a similar place at Easter time. It's out of this posture of humble adoration that some of our most powerful worship song lyrics have come. Soon we're going to listen to how deep the Father's love for us, which contains the lyrics, Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. I love the honesty of those words. Because this is the gospel, the remarkable good news that the very thing we all needed has happened in Christ. God has provided a way for anyone to be made right with him through faith. He has given us the gift of righteousness to be received in faith. You can't work your way to righteousness. You don't have to earn it. As Grad said last week, you don't have to live up to the expectations of others or a list of rules. None of us can do that. Now, for many of us, we understand this in our heads, but we still live like we need to earn God's love. Today, may you relax and receive through faith what Christ has done for you. On the other hand, maybe like me, you've accepted this gift of righteousness, but over the years and in the busyness of life, you've lost the wonder of it. You've forgotten, actually, how far short you fall in your own strength. Let us not be those who think we've been forgiven little and love little. Today, whether in our hearts or physically, may we fall on our knees again in humble gratitude for this gift of righteousness. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you again. We come to this place and we're humbled by the price that you paid for us to be made right with you. Lord, I pray that we would not be those who think we have been forgiven little, and so we love little. And Lord, I ask for those who are listening, who, who still feel like they need to earn your love. Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would whisper to them of your love for them as they are. Remind them of what you've done on their behalf and that they don't need to earn their way to you because you came for them. Lord, as we reflect on this theme in this closing song, would you minister to each one as they have need? To you be all the glory. 
for you did what we could not do. And you gave us this gift that we could never repay. And we just pour out our thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.